And of course, this is the evening of our cantata, and the majority of the service will be given over to that. There is, of course, much music and a program that is incorporated into it. I hope that it is a blessing to you. Um, and so uh, I'm going to preach at the beginning of the service this evening rather than at the end so that when the cantata ends we will very quickly dismiss you. Uh, you've just been standing so I will leave you seated but I would like to read together John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. There was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we will stop there. Let's pray this evening. Father, thank you, of course, first of all and foremost of all, for our Savior, Jesus the Messiah, for the work that he did, for your kindness in providing a Savior. We thank you, Father, for the church and pray that we would appreciate its value as you value it. We pray that we would live Christ-honoring lives. We pray for your help to that end. We thank you for music and the expression of our hearts to you and pray that your blessing would be upon all the service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, of course, we all know that Christmas is religiously the celebration of the incarnation, that moment in time in which God became human and came to the planet that he created. There is, of course, a commercial aspect to Christmas, and there's a cultural act dimension to Christmas. But above all, Christmas is not really a holiday. Above all, Christmas is a theological, momentous event. Uh, again, God becoming flesh. John chapter 1 is John the Gospel writer's majestic and mysterious explanation of the event, the word that became flesh. The passage that we read this evening, verses 1 through 14, fit together. They are bookended by the description or the use of the word, word. In the beginning was the word. And then there's a lot of information given. And then there is the concluding statement, and the word became flesh. We all know that word in the Greek. We use it regularly. It is the word logos. The word logos. 
It has many uses in the English language. It has a lot of nuance in the Greek language. But there are two ways in which we simply think of that word. The word logos or logo is the word that we use when we are describing the inner idea or the inner thinking of anything. You may have gone to college and studied biology, biologos, or anthropology, or sociology, or geology, or as I did, theology. This is the study of the internal structure of a thing, the way its pieces fit together and its internal dimensions, the logos, the idea that supports something. A second simple way that we use the word is describing it as the external expression. There is an internal dimension, the biology, the theology. But there is an external expression, and that is found most simply and most obviously in the word logo. A logo is the external expression of all that an entity is. When you look at the logo of any company, of an automobile manufacturer or a computer manufacturer, you, you look at that symbol, that logo, and it is the expression of all that the company is. It is in that second use of the word that John has used the word logos here. Jesus is not being described as the inner study of God, he is being described as the expression of God. And in fact, Hebrews calls him the express image of his person. Jesus is the expression of God. He is God in the flesh. He is the explanation to us of who God is. And in in fact, if you'll look at your Bible, if you have it open still to John chapter 1 at verse number 18... Our Bible tells us that no man has seen God at any time because, of course, God the Father is a spirit and he cannot be seen by mortal eyes. But the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He has brought him out into the open is the idea. Jesus Christ has put put a visible dimension to the invisible God. He is the fullness of God. John 1.17 tells us that the earthly name of this Lagos is Jesus. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and the Word's name was on earth Jesus, Jesus the Messiah. John uses the word Lagos 40 times in his gospel. But this is the only time that he uses it in this way. It is the only time in all of his writings or in all of the Gospel of John that he uses it to describe God as a description. God is the word. So very quickly then, let me point out to you three ways in which the expression of God Jesus is related to someone or something else. As related to God himself, as relating to God the Father, Jesus the Word is equal to God and yet is distinct from God in his person. We see that in verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. So there was the word at the very beginning, and the word was with God, and yet the word was also God. He was God, but he was with God, and he was the same. The word was in the beginning with God oriented to him. There is a face-to-face existence between the Father and the begotten Son, Jesus the Christ. And it has always been this way. This is the way that it was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. Before there was anything else, there was the Word. And so as related to God the Father, the Word is God, He is equal to God, and yet He has a distinctiveness from God. He is the Son. As related to the creation, to the physical world itself, the Word is its creator. And that's revealed to us in John 1.3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Everything that exists came through him. Everything that, we can put it this way, and we're not doing any injustice to the sentence. Anything that was not the word, anything that was not God, was made through the word. Jesus is, we might say, the agent of all creation. When God created the earth, he created the earth through the person of Jesus Christ. Everything that exists was made through him. But the bulk of John's passage, were we to divide it this way, we have in verses 1 and 2 the way the word is related to the Father. In verse number 3, we have the way the word is related to the world. And in verses 4 through 14, we have the way the word is related to humanity. As relating to humanity, the word is the world's savior. He is its creator. There is nothing that exists that was not made by him unless it is God himself who was never made but has always existed. The word is in harmony with God, and yet it is not in harmony with humanity. Verses 4 and 5, in him was life. The life was the light of men, the light shineth in darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. He is life, in him is life, he is the giver of life, the source of life. He is the light of men, but men are in darkness. Men are coming into the world in spiritual darkness, not not with knowledge of God, but with no knowledge of God. They need to be informed about God. And there is a dimension of conflict to this in the word comprehended. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That word can have two meanings, and I think that they're both meant in the text. There is the most obvious meaning, the comprehension. The the light was not understood. The history of the Gospels is that the vast majority of men, even his own followers, never really understood Jesus. It was a long time for them to understand what he was doing, and it actually wasn't until after his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, and the Spirit of God came to dwell in them, that they fully began to understand what God's plan and purpose was. But another nuance to the word is that the darkness didn't overcome the light. The light shined in darkness, and what men very much want to do is extinguish the light of God in the world. 
take away his knowledge, take away his existence, take away his power, take away his truth, take away his sincerity, and yet the word cannot be defeated. Ultimately, the word cannot be defeated. And the word sent a human witness to bear testimony of him. That's verses 6 through 8. And, of course, we know that that is John the Baptist predicted by the, God, by the book of Isaiah. And all then who are going to be rightly related to God, verses 9 through 14, are only going to be rightly related to God by being rightly related to the word. Or as Jesus would later say, no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is, verse 9, the true light which lighteth every man that comes into the world. Which probably means that anybody who knows the truth, which is the idea in verse number 9, that anybody who knows the truth about God knows the truth about God because of the work of the Son. Even though there is this ongoing hostility, verses 10 and 11, he was in the world, the world was made by him, the world knew him not, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But all who did receive him, all who did receive him, Verse 12, to them gave he power. The authority is the idea. This is not an ability that he gave to them. This is an authority that he gave to them. To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood. This is not, this is not a human birth. It is not transmitted mother and father to children. Nor of the will of the flesh, It doesn't mean that human beings aren't interested. It means that their interest doesn't come first. (coughs) Nor the will of man. You cannot force it upon somebody else externally. I want it for you, so you will have it. But it is the consequence of the will of God. So verses 9 through 14, or actually verses 5 through 14, point out to us that the word is related to humanity by the work of saving humanity. He did this by preparing a witness. He did this through his own active work. And he did this ultimately, verse number 14, the word was made flesh. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And he did that so that there would be a generation of men who could literally, visibly see God, and he did that so that he could accomplish his work on the cross. And this, then, is what we call Christmas. This is really what Christmas is. The, the observation, I'm even reluctant to call it the celebration, the observation of God becoming flesh for us. <clears throat> 